0: You know you make me want Hello and welcome to Ship it Shout it, your product management and product marketing podcast. As always with me is the lovely Lena Herc Hello. For product marketing and I'm Daniel Thomason, the uh, product management guru or at least resident guru. <laughs> so this is the final episode yeah. of season 2 episode episode 10, can you believe it Lena?
1: Crazy. As a quick recap, we've done mini series this season. Three so of them. Yeah. Three mini series. The first one on D and D. The second one on Open Borders, and the third one just gone on Mars colonization. Each one of them, three episodes. One on discovery. One on delivery. One on launch. Go back and listen to them again. They were great. Can
0: highly recommend the D&D one. That was my favorite one, predictably. Which one was your favorite? <laughs> I
1: think the Mars colonization, I thought, actually. I thought you'd say that. That was just really fun to think through. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, last episode, if you miss us, you know, there's there's plenty of stuff to listen plenty back to. Plenty of so
0: back, back content, back, where, back catalog. Where, yeah,
1: you'll be fine. Yeah. This last episode, though, we really wanted to wrap it up, I guess. So... We have never talked about the what Daniel calls the autumn years of a product.
0: You've and... <laughs> central here. <It's... laughs> yes,
1: exactly. And this is the autumn episode of season two. Oh yes. So oh. yeah, we'll talk about retirement today.
0: We don't want products just stacking up all around us. Exactly. We can't Building possibly... this
1: like monster thing. Yeah. We we also want to retire things. So that's what that's the topic of today's episode. Very very fitting. Clearly, it's not a mini series. It's a one-off, but. Yeah still fine I think we
0: think you'll still enjoy it <laughs> so I guess the first point though let's let's set a bit of groundwork and that's that there's a whole continuum here of retirement and that is your product exists at different levels of granularity so we could retire everything from a feature so something very 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 granular mm-hmm. through to retiring the entire damn product you no longer produce it, or, or I guess one layer above that is that you just retire the whole company. Yeah, yeah. right. You don't exist anymore. Usually <laughs> yep. that is is called bankruptcy. Bankruptcy, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, well, sometimes it's prompted by bankruptcy or it could be a sort of strategic decision. You go, yeah, yep. you know what? I just want to also retire myself and go and live on the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. We're shutting down the company. So today- that's
1: very, I mean, That's very severe though. You might be like, we're selling the company.
0: Well, that's not really retiring it though. It's sort of- it, No,
1: but you're, if you're retiring. I guess.
0: Anyway- Today we're going to focus on features, and then talk a little bit about retiring products at the end. We won't get to the retiring your whole company. That's possibly best for best left for an M and A. That slash, would have been a
1: mini series. That, like. That's
0: a whole. That's a whole mini series. Maybe a whole season. So yeah, focusing on features today.
1: I guess the first question we should ask ourselves, like, and we sort of alluded to that: Why retire features? Yeah. Why do you ever want to get rid of something that you built so carefully? Like you know all those questions that product managers and product marketers ask themselves, and so like sweat and tears going into all these products. I
0: know. And then
1: you just want to get rid of them. You've
0: got your stack of post its. You know, you know what the job to be done is. Why would you? Why would you throw away <laughs> like, all that work? Yeah,
1: exactly. It's
0: the it's your mother's approach to products and to things that she's bought. It's the
1: just
0: <laughs> keep stacking up.
1: Hi, Mama. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. If you're listening, hi, Ingrid.
1: Well, okay, so... I think there is a reason though, there, right? There is a reason. Okay, what is that? So I, I guess the reason is that you want to focus on what you're good at and where your core value is. Mm-hmm. What do your customers really want from you and what do you want to provide, I guess, without any kind of peripheral stuff, stuff that's <laughs> not needed and that might detract from your core value, really?
0: And or at least uh, dilute your attention, right? And and your customers' attention. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, recently for me, a weird buzzword has been razor sharp focus. I've been using it. I don't know why. Oh dear. But (laughs) I want to use it again now. Oh dear. (laughs) So I guess like razor razor sharp focus on your core value (laughs) and what you provide to your customers really
0: right. Yeah, that makes sense because I guess you'll have experiments with experiments al- along the life of your company or the life of your products with a few different arms. Yeah, and they probably and that's a good
1: thing, right? Like you exactly. want to test things out.
0: Yeah, but it'll become a bloated mess if you don't say, "Okay, hang on, those arms that we explored, are they still within our core core values?" Exactly. Okay. Yep.
1: You're right. Like either you've you've tried a few different things and are sort of finding out what it is that your business should be doing or I guess another thing that might have happened is that you started in a certain direction or a certain line of business and then you pivoted at some point and now you're carrying this old feature that doesn't quite fit in there anymore.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: Yeah. That's one reason. I guess as a second reason, it might also be that like your the feature you want to retire doesn't really pay its way mm. anymore. Right and so in terms of the cost to maintain it that might that cost might actually be higher than the value it brings in mm. and i think that's an interesting point because that's a very difficult calculation how do you how do you calculate what the value of this feature is can you i mean you might be able to calculate the revenue of the feature but if it's part of the whole product how can you cal- calculate it's part of the revenue or you know, something like that. It's it can be a bit tricky, I think, but it's a good way, a good exercise anyway, to think it through and think, hey, is this actually still providing more value than it costs? Mm,
0: Because again, even if it's part of your core value offering and something that customers really want it's still diluting that razor sharp yeah. focus <laughs> if you're Thank if you're maintaining you. it and just <laughs> cognitive overload for your product teams, your engineering teams of maintaining another service, another feature, it starts to add up over time and so Oh
1: totally. Yeah, I mean, just thinking about the company I work in is kind of like a data company and um mm-hmm within our platform we have so many different components that users can choose from and we regularly get rid of some of the components just Mm. because the list gets so long (laughs) that people just get confused when should I use what why should I use it what does this tell me versus the other thing that I could you know that just yeah like you said it dilutes the value and the, the focus of this whole thing.
0: And might scare customers off if you have this giant mm-hmm, list of absolutely. components they can use. They just go, you know what? It's too Can't hard. Deal. <laughs> I'm just going to go do it on paper. <laughs> going to
1: go to the competitors who only have like two components. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly mean, when to use them.
0: Yeah, like less is sometimes more, right? For sure. um, So, okay, so we get rid of it if it's no longer our core value. We get rid of it if it's not paying its way. Any other mm-hmm. key reasons you can think of?
1: In terms of a, a company's uh, mission. So if if the feature gets gets in the way of the company's strategic direction, generally, mm. I guess,
0: and that's a hard one because it might still be doing a good job when analyzed at the individual product yeah. line. Uh, so it might be paying its way in the product yeah. line. It might be still within your broad sphere of com- competence. Yeah, but it's not if the company is going to pivot and needs to really change the narrative and spend its resources in this in a way that supports that pivot it, it might not it might also need to be retired
1: it's a hard one to explain to your customers as yeah. well because if you're saying that like hey but in the future our company will look different and that's why we're getting rid of it now they're like what yeah but i don't care you're yeah. taking away my favorite thing <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: and yeah. i guess oh like one ag- one example of this is when steve jobs returned to apple so Apple had a really bloated product line at that point and he axed a huge number of them to focus on what he thought was the best strategic direction for the company and history has proven him right, I think, mm-hmm. of competing in just a, a few areas mm-hmm. really well rather than trying to go super broad. Even though a lot of these products the act that he axed were paying their way and the company could do them well, he said, no, that's not the company that we are.
1: Right, uh, so interesting. This,
0: I'm sure, would have been hard to explain to customers. Probably internally, it wouldn't have been enormously popular no, either. I can't imagine. I can't imagine the VP of whatever product line he was he's operating on, let alone the, the engineers working on that product line, were particularly amused at the time. But, I mean, it's it's been borne out by by history, in that yeah. case at least. Interesting. So, so yeah, okay, there's some pretty good reasons to retire features, I think. Mm. A pretty, pretty nice shopping list. So, then... We know why. Now we pivot to the when. I guess, like, how do we yeah. know it's time to retire a feature? Yeah, because yeah. you could be asking yourself this question every single day. It's like, but is today, the is day, day is is I will be retiring a feature. <laughs> I've been sharpening my axe all week. <laughs> is it time? But I guess you you want to have a few leading indicators, a few a few kind of metrics mm-hmm. that you can keep your eye on, and they will be the alarm bells rather than you needing to sort of wander around the bu- the building with a homicidal gleam in your eye. <laughs> in my view as a product manager i think the same two metrics that you use to measure the success of a new a new product uh-huh. are the are the metrics that you use to see okay this existing product is starting to wane hmm. and so it's the same at least categories of metric which are usage and then value mm-hmm. so Usage is always how many users use this this feature. Uh, Mm -hmm. Because if you've built something or if you have something in existence that suddenly a dwindling share of your total users use, eh, that seems to be an indication maybe it's not worth the maintenance costs. Like you've only got so much attention, that razor-sharp focus isn't going to do itself. (laughs) So keeping an eye on that usage percentage is important. And then flipping to your point about like does it pay its way, how much value... Does it add to the business? And also, does it add to the users? Mm-hmm. So, and these are kind of connected points. Like, does having users use this feature, use this product, add much to our bottom line? And then on the flip side, how much value do those users get out of this, this feature? Because if that's enormous, even if the product doesn't add money per se, it might be adding so much of a good experience to those users that it's a critical part of why they stay with your company. And so, hence, sort of implicitly, it's still adding pretty good value to the business. So Mm -hmm. some sort of, yeah, I guess like a broad definition of value created Mm -hmm. is fairly important. But yeah, how much is it being used? How much value is it creating? That's the sort of two canaries in the coal. Those are the the canaries in the coal mine, I think.
1: Would it be a mix of kind of quantitative data in terms of how many users use it, you go in and take a look and then qualitative survey or something like that to some customers asking whether they find it valuable or how would you measure that
0: i think i'd do both yeah so i think you could do quantitative measures of the how much value does it add to and look at kind of Mm -hmm. okay five percent of users use it and but for those users it's 90 percent of their use of the product for example Mm -hmm. so Um, also
1: kind of time spent or
0: something like that exactly but then i think the qualitative measure is also important so kind of asking them hey if we took this feature away how annoyed would you be a hard question to answer, obviously, because no one likes having anything taken away yeah, from yeah, them ever. Totally. So, they're always going to be annoyed. Even if they don't care that much, they'll tell you they'll be annoyed. Yes. So, grain of salt here. But I think getting building up a bit of a broad picture of how often is it used and the use cases it covers and kind of how integral to customers' mm-hmm. experience it is kind of thing. Yeah. And so, I guess... So, those are the metrics that I'd look at. And then as another external trigger, I guess, for evaluating whether products should be retired or features should be retired. Whenever the company's strategy is updated or renewed, mm-hmm. I think it's probably a good time to ask yourself, okay, in light of this potentially quite new direction or at least new way of thinking about our direction... Does what we have make sense? Mm -hmm. Is our current product line? Are the features within those products still logical, still feeding into where the company is going? Because honestly, if you've had a strategic update, if you've just done a big exercise to say, this is where we're going in the next five years, probably you should have a few features and products that no longer make sense. Otherwise, you've probably wasted your time doing the strategic update.
1: Yeah, because you're still doing the same thing. Exactly. So (laughs) it's
0: just been a big PR exercise, really. Yeah. There should be some level of churn as you refine what direction you're going in the company and refine what makes the most sense. So, becoming comfortable with this this idea of retiring products, retiring features is natural and it's going to happen relatively regularly, I think mm-hmm. is an important mindset to take on probably as well.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: And so that, that leads nicely into the once how, we've decided. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, so we've
1: got the why and the when.
0: Yeah, or the how, exactly. And yeah. how do we do it gracefully, specifically?
1: Exactly. I think that's that's the big thing. So like, I'd like to talk about graceful communication now.
0: Yeah, very good. And You're the expert. Exactly.
1: There's one of my favorite things. So that's perfect. <laughs> um, so yeah, exactly. Like, how should we retire? Or how should we communicate the retirement more so? So I think, ideally we would want to look at who uses this feature and then we would want to send those users a warning that retirement is coming.
0: (laughs) Death is coming. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly those words. Okay. In bold. In bold.
1: I think going back to what you said as well with the whole loss, loss aversion, people are angry when they lose stuff even if they don't use it. I think you you want to make a decision about this for your company, but it might be a good idea to only send the people who are actually using the feature a this warning. Makes sense. Death is coming warning. <laughs> because if you all of a sudden let everyone know and 95% of all your users hadn't actually been using the feature, all of a sudden those people are like, What? I don't want to use, lose that. Like, yeah. That's one of my favorite things.
0: Exactly. No, it's not. <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: yes, like, data says no. But I yeah, I think telling the people for whom it matters is important.
0: Well, the the problem with telling the people for whom it doesn't matter is less that they care about feature X and more that they then think, hang on, if they've killed feature X, my favorite feature will be the next on the chopping block potentially. Sure.
1: Or they're like, well, they their product is decreasing.
0: Yeah, does that mean?
1: It. Yeah, exactly. Like they they are making things smaller for me. They yeah. they are offering less.
0: Exactly, less is worse in my in my head I as mean, a user. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense.
1: So yeah, I think try to identify those ones who love and use the feature. Let them know with mm-hmm. plenty of time warning. Yes, I think also clear communication about like I said when the feature will be retired but also what will happen when this feature is retired if I have anything saved in there like projects data files whatever else how will that look for me will that be saved in any way or will I have access in any way do I need to download stuff beforehand you know kind of just like a Here is a plan. This is what it's gonna look like. These are the things that you need to do to make sure that you can, you know, save your stuff or you're not left left like (laughs) wishing exactly wishing you had taken action or something like that.
0: Yeah, you can trust like we know you created value through our product and we're gonna make sure you don't regret having done so.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And you're not you're not gonna lose your data or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I think also and I know this, this sometimes happens, you can think about giving an opt-in to those users to use the feature for longer. Oh. You know, because you you maybe you're still okay to run it for a little longer, but at a reduced, um, reduced cost, I guess, because fewer people are going to use this feature. They have to opt-in for it. And that's a kind of a nice way for them to feel supported for a little bit longer and be able to look for... A replacement, for example, and so on. Mm. And so I think with that, you then want to be quite clear that this feature is no longer supported for bug fixes, for example, um, or any other support-related issues. is not really in this basket, but they're still allowed to use the feature for longer.
0: Mm, it's like, we'll freeze it as it is so you yeah. can keep using it, but it's not going to not- get any better. Exactly. And we can't help you Yeah, if it goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Fair. Yeah.
1: Um, and I think this is especially useful if you have some sort of plan of switching them over to a new thing that you have, but you're not quite there yet.
0: Mm. It makes sense because it's sort of that you don't want people to continue using the frozen product forever because yeah. you still do have to maintain it. Yeah. At least keep it running.
1: Exactly, and I think you probably want to communicate that at some stage you will actually switch the whole thing off. Yeah, but you might just want to offer them them that.
0: Yeah, yeah. makes sense.
1: And then, as a last point, I was also going to talk about offering a way to give feedback. Mm. So I think, you know, collecting feedback is always good. <laughs> so, um you want to kind of find out, okay, what was it that was valuable about this feature for your clients? Uh, What problem did it solve for the users? Learning about that might then inform future strategies, for example, and um, yeah, can't hurt.
0: Yeah. I mean, super valuable for your learning. But I think even just giving people a microphone to say, yeah. I'm angry that you took this away. <laughs> yeah. Can sometimes blunt that bad feeling because even if it doesn't change your plan at all, and even if you retire it, people feel like they've been heard mm-hmm. and like the company's not just trampled on them. And yeah. So- you're not just
1: axing it. You're actually asking, you know, you you've communicated it in a good way and then you're saying and we'd love to hear from you
0: exactly so i feel like okay yes i'm annoyed the 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 feature's gone but at least this company still cares about me to some extent and so just as a as a narrative thing again i think it's quite helpful yeah exactly cheap as well absolutely circling back now that we know why you'd want to retire features what timing there is when Mm -hmm. i guess and now we've talked about how to do it gracefully which i like a lot Mm -hmm. I guess just recapping a little bit the triggers that there might be uh, for retiring a product or being a bit more specific
1: mm-hmm. about these
0: potential triggers. So, the first one I kind of touched on a little bit earlier, but to be a little bit more specific in the context of entire products. Yeah, right. Yeah. The first one is kind of this change in the company's strategic direction. Mm-hmm. So, if the company lay, like draws a line in the sand and says, okay, we were competing in these marketplaces, in these markets... We're not going to anymore. We are we are changing our business model. We are changing where we are going to spend our time and attention. This product doesn't make a sense anymore. This is this is a pretty clear trigger. Yeah, so yeah. I guess I the sort of quintessential example here is Netflix. Yeah. They I, this is the first one to everyone's heads I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure anyone listening to this podcast had Netflix in their mind already. So yeah. I won't harp on it, but they've disrupted th- they disrupted their own business models so successfully with streaming that they axed their or mm-hmm. not immediately, but over time retired their uh, DVDs per uh, per post per post I was going to say <laughs> through the mail in yeah. English. Uh, and they did it gracefully. <laughs> and they did it gracefully, exactly. But the trigger was this big strategic shift where yeah. they said, no, we're going to be a streaming service. And from that moment onwards, there was already a sort of slow choking out, essentially, within mm-hmm. the company of resources and time and effort spent mm-hmm. on the DVD through the mail service, which, again, cannot have been an easy thing yes. uh, to do internally. Um, and another, so a less. A less Prominent example, I think, of this is uh, ING, the Dutch Bank. Mm-hmm. So, they started as a very normal bank in the Netherlands with physical branches. And their big strategic pivot has been going super heavily online. Mm-hmm. They have they decided that where, what they were going to do was go and compete internationally and make that possible for themselves by essentially being a digital-only bank. They had... I remember they came into Australia they a few did, years yeah. back and instead of trying to put a branch all around this extremely sparsely populated country they just said no nah, forget it
1: they have zero branches in australia well they did actually back in the day when back i said that day. yeah
0: exactly yeah. and so i think they may so they piggybacked off another banks atm network i think so they they mm-hmm. signed some sort of licensing agreement for that but otherwise, they said, no, nah, look, we're going to be low cost. We have a great product. Uh, you can sign up online. Everything's online. Yeah. Um, and so, this is how we can get into a market super cheaply. And so, they've kind of disrupted their their own kind of physical banking mm-hmm. product. And I think... Um, I don't know if they've started to retire that in the Netherlands, but I suspect that'll be the direction they go in the future. Mm-hmm. Since they've been super successful online, they've taken the back route into becoming a neobank um, a yeah, ne- neo- yeah. bank and like being an online only model. Yeah, really so interesting. They can start to kind of retire this product of Branch. physical branches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah, really interesting. As a second trigger for retiring a product, the second trigger is that it's, the product is just simply obsolete. Don't so, need it anymore. Yeah, yeah it's dead. just not needed anymore. Right. So, a different product has completely replaced it. Mm-hmm. And then going with the classic example here as well, that's, I think, Kodak. Yeah. Probably everyone thought of that as well here. <laughs> Ten points if you did. Yes. Um. So, film being replaced by digital images.
0: Yeah, I mean, Kodak probably didn't want to retire their product. I, think I know. think they just sort of got forced. <laughs> I
1: think they got retired.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't think they've actually fully retired it. I think there are some no, holdouts. I think they, mm-hmm who still have, I think your old boss still has a film camera, right? I'm pretty sure, the, the vet?
1: No, no, Ken definitely he had has a DSLR. Dig- digital. Oh, okay. DSLR, yeah. Anyway, I'm, I know
0: some people who still have film ca- uh, cameras. My but, father
1: still has a film camera, oh, but he doesn't, never uses it. Either. Well, I mean, I, th- I think it's also a bit of a, a bit of a hipster thing to do, right? True, it's so, like
0: uh, vinyl records, right?
1: Yeah, so sure, it's not completely replaced, but it's... All Largely, it. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there are many other examples like that. So, you know, think of CDs and DVDs before that, like they had replaced VHS and cassettes as well. Yeah. Um, think of like highway maps or typewriters or encyclopedias, all of those types of things that no one uses anymore. Yeah. An interesting thought I had about this is that all of these things are like, we see them as um, new and more convenient. And I think clearly with an encyclopedia or a typewriter or a highway map, like clearly we now have more convenient stuff. But like, I was thinking perhaps it's simply just more aligned with our current lifestyles as well. Mm. And just like kind of a a preference. I'm not sure. This is just me musing. And so it's not not.
0: better. It's just, it's not so much that a product is worse. It's just that it's it belongs to a previous age. Do you think? Yeah, I, I a guess previous so. Zeitgeist. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I guess that, that. Yeah, I guess a product doesn't exist in isolation. Right? It has mm-hmm. to. It has to be good for the times and yeah. the people it finds itself in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I think vinyl. Not to harp on that that example too <laughs> yeah. much, but that's a good example. It mm-hmm. it was superseded, but it's ma- it's had a big renaissance apparently. Yeah, yeah. Because it's now found itself in times where there's a subset of people for whom the music listening experience was not being well served by digital Mm -hmm. music. And so actually, even though vinyl is kind of a far less convenient experience Mm -hmm. and doesn't have a lot of the factors that we think are important in the modern age, there's a subset of people for whom it's super important to have this physical listening experience and this physical artifact. And I think to some extent also set themselves aside from the unwashed masses.
1: (laughs) I think it's not just a physical thing of holding a vinyl or anything like that. It's also the sound quality of the True. vinyl. You, I'm no expert at all, but apparently it's also that that vinyl sound is different. Yeah. Like you don't get that on listening to an mp3 or whatever
0: i've heard that too and i think it has something to do with the compression algorithm and i you've already lost me essentially okay. i'm now i'm now way out of my depth but i think you're right <laughs> so, <it's laughs> anyway
1: sort of a- before we go deeper into like vinyls better but- let that
0: one go i mean vinyl we should we should revisit this of like b- a product being sort of retired but then returning but then from returned, the grave yeah it's sort of a lazarus product but that can be a later okay. season okay all right
1: <laughs> well <laughs> that's brings us to the end of this episode on (laughs) that insane (laughs) note i'm sorry about the last two (laughs) minutes thank you so much for listening this is the last part the last episode of season two, which is crazy?
0: That was ship it shout at season two. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's that twenty episodes we've just done. Twenty do you, episodes. Do yes, wow, exactly.
1: But yeah, really, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting us. For you know, writing us um, emails and stuff like that. Really, so if really I really no hate it. mail about the no about mail. the open
0: borders, I'm kind, I'm almost disappointed. <laughs> I'm almost disappointed. Yeah. So if you want to send me an angry message on Twitter, I'd do appreciate it, it. Just that, yeah, just as sort of an acknowledgement that. People have found my crazy opinions worthy of hate mail. (laughs) Anyway. We're going to go get to work on season three. Yes. So winter, winter is coming. We're going to kind of go into hibernation. <laughs> but in the meantime, but, yeah,
1: it's just it'll look like hibernation, but it will not be hibernation. The recording studio the feet is are still working going. working really fast. Exactly. Underneath,
0: the, underneath the table, exactly. Yeah. The recording studio is still buzzing. So yes. stay tuned on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, or your favorites, your favorite place to to doom scroll uh, for <laughs> hints about what's coming in season three. We're very excited. Yeah. And then we should be back uh, sometime in early 2021. Yes. Uh, And so looking forward to seeing you then. Take care till then. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye.